Hi, it's Trish Rubin, and welcome to the second podcast, the second issue of Blur and Blend Marketing, and thanks for listening. And in this podcast, what I'm trying to discover is answering a big question, and the question is, there's so much going on outside around us, so much communication, uh, so much distraction, so much information. So for people today who are trying to make better versions of themselves or their companies or their organizations, what's the best thing to do? Do you cut through the fog and go from A to B, get there, and then go on with the next challenge? Or do you embrace that fog? Do you throw your arms around it and go into the fog knowing that there are others out there who may have something for you that can help you to blur and blend something new and innovating for yourself? So you know from my first podcast that my recommendation would be do the second. And on that note, let's do the second today in about 20 minutes of learning something new about amplifying yourself uh, through blurring and blending. So what's the topic for today? Let's kind of look into this vast uh, fog. And actually, I'm in Los Angeles, and there is a lot of fog here, and uncharacteristic, I think. There's lots of blurring and blending in the atmosphere. And as I look out the window of the LA Conference Center, I see that fog is there. And I think in my own professional life and in yours, uh, what is it that will help us to be more agile, more flexible, so that we can pivot once we, in this fog, find people that we want to be with, that we want to partner with. How do we get there quickly together and uh, enjoy the journey? So the question is, can we pivot and do this in the fog? I think we can. I know that my own career has brought me that. And the very fact that I am here at a conference in Los Angeles it's the National Association of School Superintendents, and they come from 16,000 school districts across the country. Uh, and why am I here? Because I've never been a superintendent. I've worked for wonderful superintendents, but I've, I've never been one. But I find that in this fog of communication that we're all rattling around in, that they need the help of someone like myself who has been... Uh, of value and of use in the business world. And my background is actually education. So I have this experience of blending the sector of education and the sector of business into a learning business. And I actually have a term for myself, which my first guest, I actually have guests now, my first guest, uh, Ted Puchimoto helped me to understand about myself, and maybe he'll tell us a little bit about the term rare bird. So I'm a rare bird. Uh, I'm somebody who has value in this new setting, and uh, I'm happy today to learn more about that about myself at this conference. And um, bringing Ted here is, is kind of an exciting thing for me because Ted is in a new book that I'm part of, co-writing with uh, Brian Creesman and Bernadine Futrell. Uh, myself, we created a, a wonderful new book, and, and Ted was good enough to give us so much thinking in the book that it went pretty quickly from, Ted, write the foreword, to Ted, we need you to write a full chapter. <laughs> so um, let me introduce you to 
Ted Fujimoto. He's the uh, president of Landmark uh, Consulting. He is um, an expert in the world of organizational design. He knows about education from the inside out. And he's going to talk to us today as my first guest. I'm going to try to experiment with asking him questions. But first, I want to have him tell us a little bit about himself. So welcome to my podcast, Ted. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I would, it's it's hard to define. I ask myself, who am I, what I do? And I would say the most consistent thing is I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I started my first company when I was 18 and uh, have been helping develop organizations ever since. And it just happens that many of those organizations have to be educational organizations and schools. So I helped uh, co-design the first, uh, what became the uh, New Tech uh, Network uh, school. And uh, they're growing to a network of over 240 schools and about 20 to 40 new schools a year. Um, and I also help big picture um, learning scale. Um, Create, help them uh, form their scaling strategy on how do you replicate uh, some key practices that distinguish them. Um, so, uh, you know, right, you know, at any, every part and phase of my life, I'm always looking at um, different sectors and different um, areas of, around the biology of engagement and learning and how um, that impacts um, the design of service delivery or products, um, and it has a direct impact on how schools operate. Uh, because at the end of the day, you want schools uh, and learning environments that cre uh, create a tremendous amount of intrinsic motivation in uh, in students. Um, and if because uh, that that intrinsic motivation is something that they can, when they leave school, they can carry um, with them. Thank you. And again, thank you so much for being my first guest. And um, here we are in Los Angeles together. And uh, thank you for um, lending your voice to the book. And the book uh, is called Connected Leaders. And hopefully uh, someone in the audience will have the pleasure of uh, reaching out to Ted as we did and connecting with him uh, on his social media and Twitter. Uh, Ted Fujimoto at Ted Fujimoto. That's right. Right? Uh, LinkedIn as well. Where mm -hmm. else can we find you um, if we need to get you? We and, have a website. Yeah, a website is consultlandmark.com. Thank you. So I'm going to try out these three handy questions. So <laughs> Ted is going to uh, be my guinea pig. <laughs> and you're on my guinea pig too, my, my listener. So uh, I want to try to ask the same kind of question and see how that fits as we go forward. I may not be doing that in a few months, but right now, uh, since the podcast is around this idea of cutting through fog or just embracing it, uh, in your experience and in, in the years that you've developed your practice, have you tried one or the other? And which one seems to be working? Or uh, is it something that uh, happens to you just based upon the, 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 the project? Tell us a little bit about how you problem solve in this way. It's interesting you use the word fog because uh, fog can um, be something that is in between you and a destination that is quite amazing. Um, fog can also go into fog blindly without the right navigation. You end up driving off a cliff and it's fatal. <laughs> so um, 
if I look at innovation and entrepreneurism where you're truly trying to chart new territory, um, there is no roadmap. Um, But you know enough about the environment where you know there's some things that can help you and there's some things can definitely harm you or make it fatal. And I think that's you know, one of the things of um, innovation that, uh, that people misconstrue of the valiant explorer is, is yes, they might have found new territory, but uh, what's not talked about enough is the preparation, the systems, the survival skills that are needed to actually navigate uh, without a map. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 for me, the, the, a, a, there's kind of two analogies that um, help solidify um, kind of how do you think about this, this kind of lifelong problem and how do you solve it is one is it's like going into a fog, fog bank on a road going 78 miles an hour and there's a, there's a 90 degree corner coming off and if you don't navigate um, that 98 degree corner precisely, you're going off of a cliff and plunging into the ocean, right? And at some point, you have to know your car's capability. You need to know that your systems are working. You need to know your stopping distance of your brake. Mm-hmm. So you have to be you have to be very clear about your organization and your teams and how they're able to maneuver and pivot and what they're per- truly prepared for. Because mm-hmm. if it's high, a high performance team that communicates well, then that's like you can break quickly and you can make uh, speed adjustments and you can make the corner, right? And you can even come to a full stop quickly to decide what's, what you need to do next. If you have a team that can't pivot and can't aren't communicating well, they don't have relationships of trust where they can, when someone says, oh, we need to stay, put on the brake now, where the team members trust that person, where they will follow, um, you know, that's when you run into all kinds of, of problems, right? So that's one analogy that that uh, resonates for me. I, I think a more um, that's a kind of a mechanical kind of uh, analogy. One that resonates um, with me more because I think most of the issues on innovation and progress of teams and organizations is Im- immensely human. And the barriers are also human. The stuff that mental games that gets in our own way are are own history and how and trauma and and things that make it easy for us to do certain things and make it really difficult for us to absorb other other things. So the analogy that's I think most helpful for me is the idea, and I, I think I talk about this in the book, is the idea of you can have the best idea in the world and a great goal in the world, but you're like a freshwater fish getting dropped in a saltwater tank, and. It, and you might be a fighter. Yeah. You might have some survival skills, but it's only a matter of time that you have to make a decision to either jump out of the fish tank or you will succumb, get tired, succumb, and, and eventually kills you. Um, and some environments are a lot more toxic than others. Um, and so part of being innovative and, uh, and, and, um, and moving forward and kind of going through that undefined territory um, is about being very clear understanding um, what you need to do to your environment around systems design to ensure that you have freshwater um, around you as a freshwater Mm -hmm. fish Mm -hmm. because then it's an uphill battle 
um, or you need to jump into a different um, tank. But un unfortunately, there's no tanks that are pristine. So it's it's really more of a discipline of you being a, a fish to know how to be very clear about what you need, what your team needs um, to be able to be nimble and pivot and survive and thrive. Um, and the tools that you you have to adjust the salinity of the and the pH of that water, mm -hmm. and some of those things can be organizational structure, governance, um, policies that are that either help, hurt, or or are neutral to what you truly need to um, need to accomplish. But all that's glued together by um, the type, the, the tone and culture of the relationships that you form because mm -hmm. uh, no freshwater fish can um, do this all by themselves. Yes. And I just want to tell the listeners that this must be the correct answer because the sun just came out in Los Angeles <laughs> as Ted was giving his answer. So we see some bright, uh, brightness and I'm wearing a button that says be optimistic. And so I think we're, we've got something here. Uh, so we've been, uh, thank you for, for that and for tying it to the book and that analogy of the fish. I do remember that. And I'm going to keep that in mind even tomorrow when I'm talking, if I can put that into, into my own piece. Thanks for that. So we're at a conference uh, for uh, ed education leaders. And so, yeah, so these fish, <laughs> uh, challenges. So what does it mean for, I mean, is it the same thing? Because I love the entrepreneurial positioning and, and I like talking about that too. What do you think is there a challenge for uh, educational leaders that's different from people who are, you know, either starting up their own businesses or people who are internally in big companies? Or are we all just going to have to say we all have something in common that we're we're either tasked or we want to bring something new to to people? I, I think uh, I would define challenge as simply the barrier to progress and. Um, and, and even if you're starting a brand new company, that's if it's truly innovative and doing something new and something groundbreaking, it's disruptive. It has to, it's challenging a bigger system. Um, the school system is a, is a big system in itself. And as a superintendent, as a school leader, um, you know, it, that system is right in your face. But the system still exists. So I, I view it as um, identical challenges because the solutions, in, um, I think, are identical. It's, it's about um, one is you've got to be very clear about the conditions, the intensely biological needs that your teams have to have to be able to take risks and to explore and to do the work, right, and not be frozen. And there are things that your organization um, unintentionally and sometimes intentionally uh, that, they, that they do that actually sanction the very behaviors that you're hoping to achieve, right? Um, and, and so I'm always an advocate for uh, whether you're a district, uh, uh, a individual school or an entrepreneurial company is what about your environment? Um, external and internal um, of practices and habits or policies that either help 
hurt or neutral to support the, the very things everyone says they're, they're after. Mm -hmm. And there are unintentional things um, in school systems. Um, if, if they say, well, it, you know, having relationships, we highly value and we value creating a culture and collaboration, but they um, do not create any time in this, in the school schedule to actually have collaboration time. Mm -hmm. Well, that then is just a good goal, but none of the systems or policies or procedures or schedule aligns to actually achieving that. Mm -hmm. And that's just one example of many, um, many things that unintentionally um, get in the way. And I say unintentionally because they were put there at one point and, uh, and people don't know why they're there mm -hmm. or aren't uh, willing to, they try to work around them, but they don't address those head on. And I think that's the um, opportunity for um, governance, um, school boards and superintendents uh, to actually start to carve out uh, that time and space and, uh, and, and, uh, be very clear saying, okay, if this policy is in place and it's awkward because it's a regulatory policy, well, either we work to change it or we know what we're compromising, but mm -hmm. it's an intentional, it's, it's an intentional um, uh, strategy uh, because no work is easy and clean. Right. So there's always compromises of things that you know you wish you could do in an ideal world, but you can't. And you just chalk it up to risk, but at least you know what that risk is. You know what you're giving up mm -hmm. and it's intentional and it's clear. Um, so, so that's the, the way that I uh, unpack that. And none of this is simple. Just, it takes a very just deliberate, you know, end to end um, look at uh, the, the habits, practices, and policies that uh, that organizations have in mm -hmm, place that mm -hmm. help hurt or are neutral to what you what even the organization says they want to accomplish. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. It's a great, rich answer, and um, I, I I can't wait to listen to my own podcast now and hear you again. <laughs> Before I uh, I let you go, uh, that last question for me. Change it up just a little, tweak it a little bit. Uh, part of what I like to do is connect people. Ted knows that because on the way here to do this podcast, I was introducing him to um, Avis B. Williams. I'll mention you, superintendent of schools for Selma, Alabama, just uh, a force of nature, right? And somebody I really want to interview too. Uh, I love connecting people to ideas and, and, and thought leaders and just good people. It's how we build our network. Um, I've been lucky to connect Ted uh, to somebody that I have not met yet, but uh, I've talked on the phone to. So I think part of blurring and blending when you're marketing is taking your brand and really finding those people who, who can work with um, inspiring you. So here's my question is, so uh, who do you know that we should know Ted? <laughs> or know about. <laughs> well, I am uh, going back to the rare bird idea. Yeah, I'm a rare that. bird because I, because I have worked deeply in a number of different sectors, uh, education, finance, uh, on, you know, entrepreneur, luxury uh, market, uh, wow. retail networks, oh, uh, wow. you know, um, and now in media and entertainment. Um, and I am always, and this goes, I've been doing this for what, 30 something years. I am always astounded about how 
certain practices that seem to be norm in one sector are considered innovative in another. And mm. um, I, I think uh, you know, one of the practices, you know, uh, my wife and I uh, uh, had conversations and we put on film uh, conversations with some of the world's top super creatives across sectors. And they had these incredibly common practices. They even used some of the same words, actually, how they describe those practices mm. that enabled them to be at the, at, at the top of their game. Um, one of them is the idea of calibration. And uh, calibration is what uh, gives you a sense of the bar you have to surpass to really m move the field, nice. right? And and so who you study and who you you get advice from and who gives you feedback matters. Yeah. Well, I I never imagined that I would be anywhere near media and entertainment. Um, my wife's a produce, producer and actor, and it's uh, it's you know she's writing scripts and reviewing scripts, and we have um, some uh, people in our network that have are Oscar nominated, and every script that they've done has wow. been over the top. Wow. Well, even in my own storytelling, in presentations, and uh, and in writing just the feedback of people like that completely ups your game on, on setting the bar said, okay, you know, this is what good really is. And, and, and it's all, it, it, it kind of just rubs off on you, you know, by spending the time and mm -hmm. talking, immersing your environment. It doesn't become a tedious task to try to say, Oh, it's competition because you're not competing with them, yeah, yeah. but you get a sense a much fuller sense of the work and and their process and it allows you to be more patient with yourself uh it allows you to understand where you need to push and and a lot of the things that hold people back are the insecurities that actually don't matter um it, and what you spend a lot of time on and what you iterate on are the very things that even the super creatives take many many iterations to figure out yes. because that's immersive work that's a new ground because it's boring to do the same thing that everyone else has done so um so that calibrating experiences um i would say is uh you can only have about um and this is with brain research you can show that you can only maintain deep relationships um with only about five people mm -hmm. and your next circles uh, 10 more so a total of 15 people mm -hmm. um Anything outside that you you know of, you can look at their work, but you can't really in depth get into it with them. So, um, uh, so it's a uh, it's it's important to know who your five people are, and it's uh, it, and it's incredibly important to uh, to know uh, maybe who your fifteen are nice. that. Because that is literally what sets your perspective on what you're capable of doing or not. Um, and you look at people's trajectory in whatever field, and they could even be a br brand new entrance into, entrant into a new field, but because they happen to have certain people of a certain caliber around, um, around them, they end up doing much better work than everybody uh, than everybody else, and you look at that through history. But it also points to the equity issue because um, 
you know, we, we've been hearing kind of the news equity is not just the bar that they're hitting, but basically the resources that they have. Well, mm-hmm. I make it very personal because you don't solve equity until you s- solve their skills to build social capital and build that five to 10 people that everyone else has because people will tend to work with only people that they're comfortable with and they they trust and who's accessible to them. So if you don't break those barriers or deliberately intentionally pull people together across different disciplines, across different socioeconomic and country boundaries, by default, you're going to end up with an inequitable situation. I love that answer, and I, I, I have to say, um, years ago, I was trying to figure out that in terms of a networking proposition, um, you know, networking, who do you need to have? And actually, I was probably too um, t- too much <laughs> erring in the uh, fact that I thought, well, maybe you'd have something like a fast 50. <laughs> well, that's not really true. I, and I, and, and I, it lasted, the fast 50 lasted maybe a year. And I thought this, I can't do this. So I really love this piece of that sense of really looking very deeply at the people that, uh, you know, who, um, are out there in that fog with you and know that you can really resource with them. But then that sense of that, that other group that, that also you touch and, uh, and because you trust people like that, uh, you don't know, you know, it's going to be good. <laughs> you just know it's going That's to be right. good. Yeah. Oh, thank you. This I'm excited and so so thrilled, Ted, that we got you here. We got you the press yes. pass, <laughs> and that uh, Ted and I are going to be tomorrow uh, signing books and talking with people. And uh, again, Ted, um, just let people know where they can find you. You can uh, find me on uh, uh, Twitter at uh, Ted Fujimoto, T E D F U J I M O T O, and uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, same handle and at consultlandmark.com. And and if you want to view uh, what uh, super creatives and their processes, uh, we have a whole steady stream of media that's coming out. We have the first five episodes done and there's more on its way. And that can be found at edu.goallcreative.com. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks, everybody.